0: Hello, this is CotyCast, the Care of the Elderly podcast for debate, discussion and analysis of issues related to uh, general and geriatric medicine. I'm Mark Garside and joining me for this CotyCast are my uh, elderly care colleagues, uh, James Fisher. Hello. I'm Vicky Gibson. Hi. Today on CotyCast, we're going to be asking how should we keep our patients with Parkinson's disease safe in hospital? Uh, now, this is a, a topic that James suggested for CotyCast. James, what's the reason for wanting to discuss this?
1: Um, righty. Well, a few things really. Um Firstly, Parkinson's is really common, so if you take people over the age of 80, about 2% of people uh, will have Parkinson's. Um, We also know that people with Parkinson's are more likely to come into hospital than age-matched people without Parkinson's, and when they do come into hospital, they're more likely to stay for longer. Um, And we all all hear statistics, don't we, about the ageing population, and one of the impacts of that is that we'll be seeing more Parkinson's, because the biggest risk factor for developing Parkinson's is increasing age. Um, so, I declare an interest in, in, in this. Obviously, this is one of my kind of subspecialty interests, but but I think it's worth discussing because it's actually really hard. Like looking after people with Parkinson's in hospital is really really tough, um, and hopefully, in the next few minutes, we'll give you some pointers to, to make it a bit easier.
0: Okay, before we get on to the pointers, what's uh, what's the problem? I mean, why are we why are we discussing this, uh, Vicky? What's your experiences of the things that people come up against looking after patients with Parkinson's disease?
2: So. Um, I get a lot of questions about medication. I think that's the key one. Um, People panic when they see Parkinson's medications. They panic because of the names, um, because it's complicated. They panic because of the timings. They panic because they don't know what to do. They panic because they know they should be doing something. And they know there's a lot of buzz around Parkinson's patients and medication, but they're always not quite sure what they should be doing. And I think just bit more advice and a bit more clarity with regards to things like that would go a long way especially for juniors
0: it's probably worth uh, reminding ourselves and uh, anybody listening to this what i mean why this is so important because we worry about medications for lots of different patients but you're right the parkinson's medications can be quite complicated but um, i mean what sort of things can go wrong james i mean why is that, why is it so important to get these things right Um,
1: Well, I guess there's a number of things Um, quite often in hospital we're not maybe as responsive um, to giving people their meds at the right time Um, and even minor delays we're talking 10-15 minutes can have big impact on patients' condition Um, so Motor symptoms, walking, moving, simple stuff like that can be made a lot more difficult if people's tablets are delayed. Similarly, sometimes we actually get mixed up and we give people too many Parkinson's tablets and that can have side effects. It can make people dyskinetic. It can make people's cognition worse. Um, but the thing that we're all very twitched about is when people go cold turkey. So if medications are accidentally missed or stopped or if people are unable to swallow. And that's when it gets really scary. Um in the mildest form, you can get something that's called dopamine agonist withdrawal syndrome, which is a it's a constellation of symptoms, really, um, that apparently is akin to withdrawal from cocaine, which I can't imagine is very nice. Um, <sighs> apparently you get very anxious, restless, um, you can be low in mood, uh, very tired, lethargic, and potentially this can go on to give you what's termed neuroleptic uh, malignant syndrome. Um, This is serious stuff. I mean, this has a sort of 10% mortality. Um, So I think this is the red flag that everyone worries about when when we think missed medications and Parkinson's.
0: I mean, a lot of what we're going to talk about in the next few minutes will focus on prevention, but you mentioned neuroleptic malignant syndrome. We obviously don't want it to happen, but what sort of things should we be looking out for uh, if somebody starts to develop it?
1: Um, So think of this if you see someone with Parkinson's who's incredibly stiff Incredibly rigid. Who, when you look at the cardiacs, they've not had their PD meds for a long, long time. Um, think of this in patients with Parkinson's who are febrile, who swallows gone off. Um, key test to do is creatinine kinase, um, and you'd expect that to be significantly elevated. Um, I guess we probably won't touch it on management, but it doesn't take a genius to work out that giving them some PD medications is going to make a difference. But essentially, the, tr- the treatment for this is supportive um, and getting their medicines into them.
2: I think from a practical point of view, I think it's sometimes a lot more difficult now because we have all the electronic prescribing um, to notice that medications are missing and to actually prescribe them at the right time. So we just have to be extra careful that the patients are actually getting the medicines they've been prescribed. So double check um, check with the nurses, check on the electronic cardex and make sure you prescribe them at the right times rather than just say QDS as it comes up on the chart. Mm.
0: I think it's a big argument to be made as well for involving the patients and their carers. Um, and mm-hmm. we probably all have a bit of room to improve on, on this front. Um, but And I know that you feel quite strongly about this, don't you, James? But uh, a lot of the time you take patients who are on complicated medication regimes who either themselves or with the help of their family are managing quite well. And we sort of take it out of their hands when mm-hmm. they're, they're actually the experts rather than us. Um, so, I mean, have you had any experience dealing with that or how you'd go about sorting that out
2: yeah so we're very good at doing this with diabetic patients now there's a lot of um, of a drive towards doing that for them managing their own insulin but we don't do it so much for Parkinson's patients and I'm not quite sure why Mm -hmm. and I think we have to acknowledge that you know are we being ageist sometimes? Are we thinking that people don't understand what they, they do? And actually Parkinson's patients have very, very good awareness of of when they need to take the medication will often tell you. And I think just listening to them, um, listening to what they're saying, listening to what the families are saying, really paying attention to that.
1: I think, yeah, I find when you speak to a patient with Parkinson's and their family in hospital, they're really tuned into the importance of their medications. And I often try and kind of flag up early doors that... Um, that i know that and i understand that and you can always see them visibly relaxing mm. that the doctors acknowledge the the, the importance of it um, but I, I completely agree i think actually in you know, these patients are on complex regimens they've often been on for many many years they know them inside out they know the colors of them they know the shapes of them and and we've quite frankly you know had no clue what the colors of them are and mm. um, so i think often we we make a problem where we may not necessarily have to have one because if, if they could do it themselves then brilliant and um, we'll probably need to encourage that a bit more. Yeah, it's a,
0: it's a team approach, isn't it? But that team very much involves the, the patients and their uh, their relatives and, and carers.
1: What I would say is if, if you are stuck with a handful of Parkinson's tablets and you're trying to desperately work out which is which, um, we had a bit of a Twitter um, shout-out before for uh, help and advice in this area, and uh, we got a great re- resource. Um, it was tweeted by at uh, underscore NMay, Um, and it's from Parkinson's UK and it's a PDF of basically all the Parkinson's tablets you could ever dream of and their names, their generic names, their doses, and also little pictures of them. So if you, (laughs) if you find the tablet down the back of the settee or down the back of a chair on the floor, you can work out using that, what exactly it is. So I'd really recommend that. And if you want a hard copy of it, you can actually order them for free from the Parkinson's UK website.
0: Uh, We'll put a link to that in the show notes as well, so you should just be able to click on the link and see what it is we're talking about. Um, You mentioned a little bit earlier, James, nil by mouth and uh, what we do then. Um, I think particularly uh, any junior medics listening to this, um, this will probably ring some bells because often it's the middle of the night call or the evening shift when there's nobody from the Parkinson's team around to support you and uh, you're asked to see and sort out somebody who isn't swallowing. Um, What's a good
2: strategy for approaching this?
1: I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a common phone call, isn't it, Mickie? Mean, you get a lot of calls in the medical bridge night yeah. about
2: this. And yeah. more often than not, it's um, they're not swallowing or the NG tubes come out. That's often a difficult one. You know, everyone knows that we need to try and get medication into these patients. And and often NG tubes are the best way of doing that. But often the tubes in, the tubes out, you know, you go backwards and forwards four times in a day. And, and really, we need to kind of try and simplify that a bit and find an easier way or a, an easier way of kind of directing people to what to do with that situation
0: so ng tube if we can get one in is great because then most of the medications that they normally take can be uh, given down the ng tube mm. but what if you can't get the tube in or what if there's going to be a big delay
2: so i'm i'm gonna bring up something useful here um it's a website called pdmedcalc.co.uk, and this was developed in northumbria and james you were a bit involved in that as well yeah it was, heavily involved it, yeah it. it was kind of born out of
1: the kind of the frustration of knowing that I had to do something, thinking, oh, heck, they can't take the medications, I've got to do something here. But it's four in the morning and they're on all these tablets and I can put an NG tube in, but, but what the heck do I actually give down the damn thing? Um, and even having done a couple of years of Parkinson's research, um, you know, where you really sort of embedded in the tablets and getting a handle on them. I still found it really tough when I came back into clinical practice and I kind of felt a bit embarrassed that I, you know, I didn't know how to do it. And then I realized that actually probably just an online converter to do all the hard stuff for you was probably the way to go. And um, so that's what the, the PDmedcalc.co.uk is. And um, thank you to at JPM Kane who, who recommended it as well on Twitter. Um, basically, you plumb the patient's medications in, click the button and it spits out two different choices. Um, option one is converting all the drugs that matter into dispersible metapar, So that's cobenaldopa. That can be fizzed in water. And put down an NG tube. Happy days. Um, option two is reticotine. So reticotine is um Delivered via transdermal route, it's a patch, um, and it's a dopamine agonist. Um, so I guess you can't always put an NG tube in. Some people they might not consent to it. They might pull it out. It might be contraindicated, or maybe you've got someone who's reaching the latter stages of their life and whom sticking an NG tube down their, their nose wouldn't be appropriate. Um, so the, the calculator will spit out the dose of retigotine. Um, I have to acknowledge that in there, there's a, there's a slight uh, conversion factor to reduce the dose that pops out, um, because if you do a direct conversion get big, big doses of reticotine. And if you put big, big doses of reticotine on people who've never had it before, that can cause problems, nausea, hallucinations, and even delirium. So a good mantra, as with everything in care of the elderly medicine, is um, start low, and go slow. And that's really what the tool advises.
0: Uh, And if you want a bit more information or to see this uh, tool being demonstrated, uh, I believe you have a mini-gem that you've done as well that uh, explains this in a bit more detail, which you can get to on the Amy website. That's right. Okay. We've uh, talked a lot about medications, but very briefly, um, thinking about the bigger picture, I know there's potentially loads of stuff we could talk about. Is there anything else really pressing that you think that we could do better in terms of uh, helping patients with Parkinson's disease in hospital?
2: So I, I think uh, one of the other key factors is is thinking about falls risk as well. We just need to bear that in mind. These patients are often high falls risk. And the second thing is thinking about um, sedation as well, if you're prescribing that. I think that's a big key thing. I've seen some pretty whacking doses of haloperidol being banded oh. around recently
0: yeah.
2: um, around the hospital, sort of t- 2.5 milligrams, which is obviously way too high for anyone. But, you know, we have to be really careful in... in pd patients about what we're prescribing so just having an awareness
1: yeah I, I yeah i kind of second that really as well as sort of fastidiously going for the drugs chart for all the pd meds it's worth having your antennas up for drugs that are going to directly oppose the stuff you're writing so you know as you say haloperidol is a complete contraindication metaclopramide is a complete no-no and i've kind of taken to um actually writing that on the allergies and it's yeah. actually flagging it up because you know, All it takes is for someone at four in the morning to come come round and, and maybe not quite uh, look through the notice for it really or to be rushed and to prescribe it. It's so actually putting it on the front of the card I think it's quite a good fail-safe. For, yeah. uh, well, not fail-safe, but a good uh, protection for Yeah, for a, good, a
0: good reminder. Yeah. It? Great. Okay. Well, um, I mean, there's loads we could potentially talk about, but I think we've uh, we've each got across the, the main points that we, that we wanted to. Uh, let's try and wrap it up then by uh, answering uh, in as concise a form as possible the question that we started off with, which is how can we keep our patients with Parkinson's disease safe in hospital? So if you want our listeners to take away one thing, James, what would it be?
1: Um, empower the patient, speak to them. They know their medications much better than you. If they're not able to do that, speak to their family. They'll often be able to fill in a lot of the blanks. Vicky?
2: My thought would be to just just check, check and double check what you're prescribing.
0: Uh, And my one is going to be uh, go to the pdmedcalc.co.uk website and have a play of the tool. Uh, And you're probably better off doing that uh, when you've got a few minutes free, just to familiarise yourself with it um, so that you know what you're doing um, in the middle of the night when there is a bit more time pressure on. Um, And we're also going to put a link in the show notes to a paper that was published a couple of years ago in the um, Journal of the Royal College of Physicians of Edinburgh um, about this very topic, um, managing patients uh, with Parkinson's disease in hospital. Um, which is not too lengthy. It's very concise, very focused, very practical and well worth a read. Uh, so that's all we've got time for today. You can continue to, the discussion with us uh, on Twitter uh, using the hashtag Kotycast. Uh The show notes, as I say, will be on our website along with lots of other e-learning resources, which is aeme.org.uk. Um, thanks to my guests, James Fisher and Vicky Gibson. Thanks. Bye for now. I'll see you next time.
2: Bye.